0: I, I kind of feel that my generation is uh, melancholic by, by nature because we've seen like the decline of lots of things and it is really difficult to have hope in the future. And I'm obsessed with that theme and I'm always writing about people who doesn't have a future, who feels doesn't have a future or, or mm, people who has lost all kind of hope in, in, in love. I'm Jordan Kistner, author of the essay
1: collection Thin Places, and this is Thresholds, a weekly series of conversations with writers and artists about moments of epiphany or transformation that changed their lives and their work. A moment that they stepped across, like a threshold, into something new, and the way that experience changed everything they wrote afterward. To keep everyone safe, these interviews were recorded remotely, usually on a cell phone in somebody's home. And so you might hear some sounds and signs of life, like a car backfiring, a dog walking through the room, usually my dog walking through the room. Thank you for your patience with that. Fernanda Melchor is a writer and journalist from Veracruz, Mexico, who lives and works in Puebla. She's the author of a number of books, most recently the incredible novel Hurricane Season, which was translated into English by Sophie Hughes in 2020 and shortlisted for the International Booker Prize. Hurricane Season began for Melchor as a journalism project, a nonfiction book project. She had read an item in a newspaper talking about the death of a witch, the murder of a witch, Um, in Veracruz, where she's from originally. And she wanted to chase down that story as a way of investigating the complicity between fairy tale and femicide. Um, But she ultimately realized that the story was going to be too dangerous for her to report as nonfiction. And so she began writing it as a novel. I was so excited to talk to her about this book and about her decision to leave Veracruz for her own safety and to return to it in the form of this novel.
0: In 2011, the moment when I moved to another city uh, from Veracruz to Puebla, where I'm right now, and in part it was driven by the increasing violence in in Veracruz, the drug trafficking violence. And uh, I think I wrote Hurricane Season in, in, in part to, to honor the, the things that I lived in Veracruz and the things that, that were still happening in Veracruz, but I was not there. So it, it was like my way of processing. And also it could be uh, when I wrote Hurricane Season and how reading a newspaper just um, um, sort of unleashed this uh, hidden story, uh, because I, I read a newspaper story and I thought at first of doing uh, a nonfiction novel, like, you know, in cold blood and from Truman Capote. And, and, but it, it was so difficult to do research, actual research in, in Veracruz because of uh, the same uh, drug trafficking bio- related violence. So I decided to write a fiction and it was a very, uh, I think uh, uh, very difficult time in Mexico, uh, with the increasing of femicides and, and violence in general in a very pessimistic moment, I think. And that's what what also prompted me, but I think if, if I can say something about my life, it, it should be the moment that I, I had to move, uh, from one city to another. Uh, it was a very emotional time for me i it was 2011 I was 28 years old 29 and you know I I, uh, I went to college I studied journalism and but always since I was a child since I was a teenager I wanted to be a writer uh, a fiction writer and I chose journalism because I thought that I must have a um, uh, I chose journalism over literature because I thought that I, it was cool to have a profession that was related to writing, but not so... I didn't want to be coerced into reading in a certain way and certain readings. And, and I thought that in college, in literature, uh, I, I was going to be uh, obliged. And I, I wanted to have that freedom because for me, literature is, is like a, a, a space of freedom, most of all. And I, I decided to study journalism and I did a career, not uh, as a reporter, but as a uh, social communication uh, in, in my alma mater, in my college, in the Universidad Veracruzana. So I, I had a job like, you know, like nine to five and, and did uh, like institutional communication and public relationships. And it was very fine. But at the same time, I felt a little bit dead inside, you know, because I just wanted to write. I, I wanted to devote myself, my, my time to writing, but I still had to work to to live, you know, to, to eat, as we say in, in Spanish. And it was a very difficult decision because I had a secure job and then I had to, you know, like, like, like drop it to pursue a literary career. Because I was trying the whole time, uh, I don't know, from since I was studying uh, uh, college, since I was in college from, I don't know, since I was 20 years old to, since I was 25, 26, 27, trying to write a novel, trying to write my first novel. And I just couldn't, I, with all the responsibilities of adulthood. And, and um, I, I was at that time in a relationship that was very, um, I invested a lot of time in that relationship. And, mm what happened, uh, was that I just had to take that decision to s- quit my job and try to write that novel because I felt that I must, that I needed to devote myself full time to writing this novel. And I thought that I was still young, you know, like, uh, I'm, you know, I, my, my thinking was, uh, I not even 30 yet. So if I write this novel and it's, a uh, and it totally sucks, and I, I don't uh, succeed, uh, I can still get another good job and, and, and forget the dream about being a writer. And <laughs> actually it worked, you know? So I spent a year in Veracruz writing uh, my first novel it's called Falsa Liebre. It, it has not been translated in, in English. And I, uh, I, I had some savings at the end, I was eating, you know, only lentils and broccoli and, and whatever <laughs> just to to uh, have just to, you know, to live and and, and write full time. And nobody at that time was doing a- anything like that in my social circle. You know, I I didn't knew any writers in Veracruz. I, I was kind of isolated and I knew people, but they were in Mexico City or in Guadalajara or everywhere else. But but in Veracruz, Veracruz is is a is a port. Uh, it has a, a, a great economic uh, importance, but it is not uh, very how do you say um, a very cultural place that that is interested in literature or in fine arts in general. So it was like uh, you know like um, swimming against the the, the current. And finally, I just decided that I wanted to do that. And uh, my uh, former partner uh, tried to stop me because he thought it was a lousy idea, so I dumped him. <laughs> and <laughs> now I, I know it's... It's. I'm not trying to be cruel. It was a, a joint decision finally. And, and uh, I, I never felt really um, supported by him. I, I never felt many support because... Uh, he never, he, he never showed interested in reading what I, what I've written. And at that time I, I was, I was publicating already. I was, I was, um, writing stories, uh, nonfiction stories about, uh, violence in Veracruz for national media in Mexico for magazines. And I was using these, um, sort of, um, nonfiction personal essays that in Mexico we call crónicas. It, it, it is a mix of literature with uh, nonfiction writing and, and reporting. And I was trying to write, like, to gather all the stories about how people live this violence uh, all around in Veracruz. And uh, it was 2011, and, and I began doing that from 2008. And it, it was a time where in Mexico, we didn't speak openly about uh, the drug-related le- violence. It was still like a, like a secret in, in uh, but uh, uh, something that was hidden, but at the same time, everybody could see it. But uh, you know, there was still, people had so much fear to talk about this openly. So I began writing about Losetas, for example, the Losetas cartel, and I begin uh, writing about what was the experience of the regular, normal person who one day wakes up in the middle of the night because there is a huge shooting, you know, outside between the army and the drug dealers and narcos. And uh, he never showed an interest in my my former partner. So I thought that I uh, needed to follow my, my own career. So it, it was very difficult. And uh, it was the first time that I been alone. I, I met him when I was really young, when I was only twenty four. And before that i uh, I only lived with my family, and it it was like the my major breakup at that time. And after it was followed by several other breakups, you know that's adulthood in a certain way. that's that's what being a grown up is. But it, it took all my courage back then to, to drop everything for literature, for writing the book that I wanted to write. And at the end, I, I wrote the book. I finished the book in 2011. And then um, I, uh, at the end, I was without money. Uh, violence was even worse. Uh, one day I went for a walk because I, I lived very near the, the, uh, the, the scene. I went to, I went to, I, I took a little, um, walk by the sea to walk the dog. And when I came back, the house uh, next door was, you know, covered in holes because, and, and there were uh, police cars and it, they just been attacked because it seemed after afterwards, I, I, I was told that, uh, next door lived an accountant who was, um, uh, who had, um, a relationship with, with the cartels. And that was it. I, 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 I thought that I must leave, you know, it, it, it wasn't a matter of, um, wanting to stay, but it, it was impossible to stay anymore and, and leave that. And, and when I, when I came to Puebla first, uh, I, I came here because I was offered a scholarship to study in uh, a master's degree. So I took that, chance because I needed the money but also I wanted to to expand my circles and to expand my ideas and my knowledge and and a master degree in arts and aesthetics sounded super great cool and I accepted and you know uh, this Puebla is a is a city uh, it's very traditional city it used to be a, a colonial city, and. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Catholic festivities all the time, and here uh, it's a it's a custom it's a um, tradition to use fireworks uh, every every time there's a, a, a religious festivity, and there's almost every day a religious festivity. So every day there were firecracks, <laughs> and when I just got here, you know, I wanted to you know dock and cover fast uh, because I, I thought it was shooting. So I'm not saying I had like post-traumatic stress disorder, but I, I was very close to that. And I was worried all the time because my my family, my mother, my father, they, they rest in Veracruz. and But I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't stand being there and, and you know, living through these uh, terrible circumstances. And Afterwards, I I think I've devoted my 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 career to writing about Veracruz. I, it seems sometimes that I have it like you know engraved in my soul. Like it, it was a time where I spent, it was a place where I spent most of my life, almost almost all my life. And I just got it in my skin, you know. I I think I can close my eyes and think how the humid uh, uh, heat of Veracruz feels, and 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 I can still remembers a lot of things and I'm kind of fixated still with, uh, describing the particularities of the tropic and, and all the stories I've written until now still happening in those places, uh, those, uh, environments, uh, physical environments, but also emotional environments.
1: Do you think that there is something you are writing your way toward or something you're trying to figure out? by continuing to write about that place that once you may, you may get there and then feel ready to write about somewhere else. Or do you think it's just that it's, it's inside you?
0: I think it's inside me. And I think, uh, of course, I do believe that I'm, um, I have sort of an obsession about violence and that can be explained, uh, because of these, uh, circumstances that I live, uh, when I was, uh, uh, I think things in Mexico got increasingly worse um, in the 21st century. I think it was. It is more difficult to see it before. So this, uh, I was in in, in in the year 2000. I was 18 years old. I was beginning to to. It, it was the first time the first time I voted, for example, uh, for for a president, and. Uh, we have this um, change of uh, type of government because, you know, in, in Mexico, from eight, from almost 80 years, uh, the same party always won. The same political party always won. The PRI, the Partido Revolutionary Institutional. And in 2000, uh, Vicente Fox won with, with another party. And it was like, you know, at that time, it was a huge thing. It, it was uh, something similar, I think, and, and people filled with hope. As, as I think, it can be compared to the moment that, that you in America are living. Um, and but at the same time, uh, there was also it, it, it was like this change of government shook the whole structure of Mexico and a lot of things that were um, uh, made made of certain way with the pre now change with the pan and, and that change of powers uh, uh, had lots of consequences and one of these was uh, the the narco the, the drug trafficking and and all the uh, the all the industry of the illegal in Mexico I, I, I kind of feel that my generation is uh, melancholic by by nature because we've seen like the decline of lots of things and it is really difficult to have hope in the future. And I'm obsessed with that theme. And I'm always writing about people who doesn't have a future, who feels doesn't have a future, or or um, people who has lost all kind of hope in 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 love. And I mean not only romantic love, but love as in the good things that, uh, that 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 people deserve. And I think I, I write about Veracruz also because. I, I, I'm, I'm very interested in violence, and I, am always trying to understand where it comes from, how it happens. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, like, like to get to know its genealogy. I'm, I, I, I come from a, from a dysfunctional family. Uh, I, I think there's no other way of uh, calling it. My my dad was an alcoholic, and my mother suffers from different mental disorders. Um, I think the last diagnosis was uh, borderline personality disorder because um, she went she went to a lot of psychiatrists, and and first they told him she had depression, then uh, bipolar uh, diagnosis, and. And, well, whatever. The thing is, when you grow up in a family like this, uh, where your needs as a child are not met because uh, you are turned into an early age, you know, to be the mother and the father of your own parents. And uh, I think the sense of what is normal and what is real becomes really uh, distorted. And I... When I was a child, remember, I used to feel like this huge weight over my little shoulders because I-, I felt like I had to do great at school, that I had to be charming and intelligent and obedient. And I, I was obliged to sh- to shine, you know, like to cover my parents' faults, my parents' shames, their, I, I don't know, their unmet desire, their, their aspirations, their failures. And, of course, they never told me to do it, uh, but it-, it was just that the role that I decided to take, I don't know if decided is the right word, but as it usually happens in this kind of families and uh, this kind of family dynamic, I, I, I choose to be the one who will protect the secret, you know, of the things that happen at home. And then I became a teenager and, and you know, I got into drugs and, and I was in trouble all the time. I, I sort of forgot that I had to be the hero to save my family. And I discovered literature. And for me, uh, literature was a way to explore feelings—the feelings that I uh, I was denied to felt. Uh, and for me, it was an amazing. Uh, it became an amazing way of explaining myself, uh, the things that happen in the world and that are that are not so 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 pretty or so joyful, and. It is just, I, I, I speak all the time about violence against women because I see, I saw it all around growing up and I see it still. And I talk about uh, violence that women exert on, on other women and, and on their children, for example, because I was one of those uh, uh, children uh, uh, abused by women. But, I'm, but I, I also been that women abusing other people so it, it is always uh, uh, for me like the most honest way fiction is the most honest way I, I have found to talk about the truth about this this um, like these awkward truths that are hidden uh, in families and that uh, are or I think or dark corners as human beings
1: yeah I really felt that reading Hurricane Season, that one of the, the things that's so interesting about the way that you chose to structure that book formally is that we get to go really very, very deep inside the lived experience and the mind of several different people and see the way that they their. Their darkest needs and their darkest feelings mm-hmm. are e- existing inside them, the way that they're a reaction to the violence that they are subjected to, and then the way that they come out as violence toward other people. There's something really, to me, very profound about the way that in one part of the book, we'll see someone you know, receiving terrible abuse. And then in a different part of the book, we'll see them abusing someone that violence is this thing that is, is cyclical and reproduces itself and is also very, very tied up in desperation and desire. And like you said earlier, an absence of hope as if there's only one, one thing that, that you could do anymore. And it, Tends to route back to violence.
0: Yeah, I was really in a in a dark place when I when I wrote Hurricane Season, not only because of uh, what was happening in Mexico with you know uh, the increasing number of, uh, uh, of murdering murder of women, and and also in Veracruz. You know, we talked about how uh, violence increased in two thousand eleven, but by two thousand fifteen, for example. Um, uh, it, 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 they began to find mass graves, you know, like huge mass graves filled with um, uh, persons who had had disappeared like the years before. So it, it was a an atrocious reality that um, I think it made its way into the novel because I, I've always thought that Hurricane Season or the the final version of Hurricane Season. I got to it, the form, I'm I'm talking about, I'm talking about the form. I got to it by figuring the novel is, is like a mass grave. You know, it begins like when I discover a group of children discover a corpse and it, it ends with, um, with the disposal of that corpse of the, with the final goodbye of that person who was the witch. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not spoiling anything. It it is just, it is (laughs) not a novel that works, um, like that because, you know, you know the witch is dead from the beginning and, mm-hmm. and, and there's like this huge hole, you know, um, and each chapter, it deepens and deepens into the ground, you know, until you get to the to the heart of the novel that I think it's Norma's chapter. And it's, it was just one of the hardest things that I, that I ever, ever uh, written, uh, that, um, the sort of fictional testimony of, uh, of a 13-year-old girl who's find herself uh, pregnant and running away from home and, and arriving to La Matosa uh, uh, in the midst of uh, a lot of drama. And, and it was just so difficult to, to have her voice inside me and to talk the things and to think the things that she needed to think. It was very, very difficult. But it was the book that I needed to write at that time and um, I, I was—it uh, was the book that I that I needed to write. And and now things have changed. I think, I uh, luckily I went into therapy after writing Hurricane Season. I it was just something that I needed to do, <laughs> and it, it really helped me a lot. And and I'm mm-hmm. I'm in a whole different place right now. And and now I I in Mexico now I'm, I'm publishing my new book that's called Paradise and. And Paradise is a whole different novel. It's also about about violence, but uh, it's um, it, it is written in a whole different tone. There's more dark humor in in, in Paradise. There is um, I I have distanced myself a little bit from the characters and decided that I wanted to tell a story from another perspective. But it is true that uh, one of the things that most people uh, recognize uh, from hurricane season is, is the, the risk of going deep into um, the, the, the most difficult things to accept of a, of a person.
1: Yeah, it felt like a very frightening book, not to read, but for me to imagine writing. (laughs) Like (laughs) I was thinking as I was reading it, whether it was a frightening book to write, um, because it does feel like burrowing um, sort of farther and farther towards the heart of this of, of a certain kind of pain, um, both for each individual character, but also this this big pain that seems to be collectively held in this community. Um, and I, I guess I wondered if, if it would, if it did feel frightening to write, to be trying to to touch that in your writing
0: it was, sometimes it was awful to write. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking especially, um, Norma's chapter It was. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, it was very hard. Yeah. yeah it's it, very devastating. Devastating. And at the end, it, it, the chapter ends with, you know, like a really, in a really low place, you know, like no hope for humanity. And, um, and then I had to write, when I was, uh, review, uh, um, uh, revising, reviewing, uh, when I was correcting the, the manuscript, uh, afterwards, I still had like 60 pages of uh, the character Brando. That, mm-hmm. That's like like also a, a very difficult uh, moment to, uh, a very difficult part of the novel because it's the actual crime itself. And, and Brando is a character that's really filled with hate and, and rage and, and towards everyone, towards Luismi, but also towards himself because uh the thing with brando is that he desires what he most hates and those repressed desires are like you know like like killing him uh it is so painful also but it it, it was also a book that was fascinating to write um, and uh, uh, the, and the parts where I had, uh, to, for example, reinvent, uh, retell, uh, uh, an old fairy tale that I used to hear when I was a child. And when, for example, when I had to work the descriptions of, um, of these, uh, um, tropical prairies with, um, with sugar cane fields and, and, the mountains out behind—it it, it was so beautiful, also. And I, I allowed myself to have these uh, moments of tenderness in the novel too, because even thought I was using sordidness and um, and and just awful uh, events happening all the time, even if I use this to create uh, an an aesthetic uh dimension i also wanted the novel to have this uh, real life experience and i needed to have a balance of uh, some moments even comic moments sometimes even um you know like see th- these moments of tenderness these moments of uh, uh calm to arrive at the final shape it was a, a whole challenge, an intellectual challenge. And I was trying also to go really deep with the language of the novel, the, um, this imitation of colloquial language, that's really, really rough, or it has that impression, but I, I just really want the characters of the novel who are low life, you know, like uh, very, very, uh, in very sordid places. I just wanted them to think of their word with to construct their word with the words that they will normally use. I just don't, didn't want to position myself in a third uh, in a third person narrator, you know, like watching everything mm-hmm. from 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 the heights. And and I just wanted to be at the same level with them. And that's why I choose a, a, a language that is really really harsh, really crude. And in Spanish, it, it, you know, it's sometimes it, it can be total vulgar, but hmm. I just wanted to, I think I had to take that risk to communicate exactly what I wanted. And, and most of all, to put the reader in an awkward position. I really love the books who do, who, who do that, uh, which do that. I, I love when a book challenged you as a reader when you as a reader are responsible to construct the the meaning and the reality that's happening in the novel, I I, I don't know I, I I love books that confront, and uh, I, I think in in the violence part and in the language, uh, Dennis Cooper Frisk was a huge influence. Mm. Uh, it, it is a brilliant novel that confronts the reader with images of you know like the hardcore violence. And and you know pedophilia things like really nihilistic, but it, it has a structure that that it's borderline virtuos, uh, it, it's hypnotic, rhythmic and cinematic, and I wanted to take a risk similar to what these writers uh, took. I I wanted to to create a book that really you know if if it had teeth it could bite you. I I wanted to do that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is that is how this book reads to me. It's I love that description of it. I was curious about the your choice to put the witch at the center of this book, which gives it this, this very mythic feeling and also, for some reason, a very embodied feeling. Um, you were saying earlier that part of that came from reading a news article, but I was hoping you could tell me a little bit more about why the witch was the figure that felt like the, the flagpole around which all these other stories could revolve.
0: Yeah. When I was, um, working as a, uh, uh, in, in the social communications office of the university, um, in Veracruz, I, I used to read a lot of news newspaper. It was, it was part of my, my job. And I just, one day I stumbled into this, um, article, this piece um in mexico we have um um normally o- almost all newspapers have like this uh police section you know like like um sort of a, a, a criminal justice uh section but it's very particularly bec- it's very particular because normally it's written with a lot of sens- sensationalism it's um it's all for writing normally, you know, and it's filled with prejudices and and it is uh, we call it nota Roja and it's something that's uh, well, I've studied from a long time. I, I devoted my my master's degree in studying uh, a photograph uh, photographer called Enrique Metinides, who devoted his life to to taking pictures of uh, any uh, crime, act of violence or catastrophe imaginable. And I always liked stories about violence because I think they um, they sort of uh, represent uh, this dark side of the human soul. Like we we're always talking about, like the bright side of the of the human soul, like what makes us human. It's is is, is yeah. um, or, or good feelings like, uh, or capacity of forgiveness and to love and to be heroic and to be, uh, uh, philanthropic. But I, I'm also interested in the other, um, in this other side of the human condition that, that side that we always went to want to hide and this, this dark side. And I think in, in the Nota Roja, in this police section, uh, is like all, all these, uh, crude stories that have to be with had to be with revenge with human passions, with with uh, envy or greed. And I just follow. I, I used to follow a lot of these stories, and I didn't like the way they were written because they were written like very superficially. Uh, sometimes you even uh, you didn't get like the full picture. It was never the intention of the reporter to give a full picture. It was just. Uh, 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 a very very uh, short uh, uh, narration of the crime. So uh, once I was reading through the newspaper and I found this news that uh, talked about this story about uh, a, a corpse being found in a in a, a sugar and cane field, you know, in the in the rural region around El Puerto de Veracruz, the port of Veracruz, and I was shocked because uh, the reporter basically told the story that uh, this this person who was killed was the witch's village and she was killed because uh, uh, she was uh, doing witchcraft into a a person and that person uh, uh, you know uh, in self-defense they killed the witch and for me it was just you know shocking just to be in, you know, 21st century, and we're still talking about uh, killing a witch as a form of self-defense. It was just, you know, at the same time, it was nonsense, nonsense. but at, at the same time, it didn't surprise me, because in Veracruz, things are like that. Uh, we have a very particular uh, mix of uh, spiritual beliefs. Uh, it, is, it is, the re- religion in Veracruz is very animistic. And it's a mix of Catholic beliefs and and, and indigenous religion and also like these uh, spiritual beliefs that uh, came with uh, African slavery during the colony. So it's a very particular uh, mix and it is very common that people believe in witchcraft, that people believe in bad vibes, for example, or... Uh, people actually believe that uh, in possession, satanic possession, for example. And it's, you know, it's, it's regular normal people who believe in this in this kind of stuff. So I, I just thought that it was so strange. And at the same time, it was so typical of Veracruz. So I just, you know, I, I took the clip of the newspaper. I, I cut it and and I save it. And I said to myself that there's a great story uh, there. And, and at first I tried to, I thought that I could do uh, a nonfiction story because uh, I had, it had all the elements to, to in reality, to, to search and to explore. And and I I thought that I could do a novel like in cold blood or something like that. But then I I realized that it was too dangerous. We were already in 2015 and I was afraid to go alone to, in Veracruz. You know, I wasn't a journalist anymore. I didn't have any credentials. I didn't have any financing for uh, money for, for the project. Uh, I, I was alone. I was a housewife at that time. I was living here in Puebla and raising a, a, an eight-year-old. And it, it, I, just, I just wanted to do it, but I, I found that I couldn't. So maybe to console myself, I, I convinced myself that I could write a fiction, Because even thought, uh, even thought I managed to to travel to Veracruz and, you know, go to the jail, the the county jail and interview, you know, the murderers and, and, and visit the crime scene and, and do this field work. And even, even, even if I could do it, I, no, nothing guarantee me that I could reach the truth that I was interested in reaching. Even if I could interview these people, well, I'm not Truman Capote, uh, I, I just, I didn't see how or why they would trust me to tell me their deepest hidden truths that why they decided to kill the witch. So I just thought that I could write, write a, a, a fiction novel and and I thought that I could use my own material, the material of my life, of my own um, uh, journey through darkness to, to, um, to use it on the novel and, and sort of illuminate these, these dark corners
1: Do you feel like you have a different relationship with
0: violence after this book? Yeah, I think definitely, definitely. And um, I think even after my newest book, That's Paradise, it's even clearer to me. And uh, I used to think that uh, sometimes they will ask me, why are you so interested in in angry young men, for example, or why uh, to devote so much time talking about male violence, you know, like gender violence, misogynistic violence. And... I, I thought for a long time that I'd wanted to understand why uh in our societies men tend to be the aggressors. And I, I at the end I got to the conclusion that men are aggressors because they can and we let them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it it sounds like a very simple thing, but it, it cuts me it, it took me a lot to to realize that. But it is true that I was so interested in that and I was searching uh uh for ways to tell these stories, I I was just, I don't know. It it, it is very difficult sometimes for me to talk about finality because you begin writing a book and you don't even know why you're writing. And afterwards, when you have to do, you know, like promotion and actually sell the book, you came with lots of uh, ideas and and people, readers also uh, uh, lend you their ideas about your books but it is always uh, a mystery and I I think it's good. There's mystery still, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if um, why I did it, but I, I can assure you that now I feel differently and I think it has helped to talk about these things to, to, I don't know, to, to make it, to make peace with it, you know, like to, to make a with it. Mm.
1: That's, that's an incredible thing for, uh, for writing a book to be able to do.
0: <laughs> no, you know, that's, so it, violence is part of the human nature. We can, I, I don't think we can like, um, you know, like chirurgically, uh, take it, you know, away with that. I, I think it's impossible, but I think, that talking about this is 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 important and uh, literature always uh, adds to the public discussion discussion of this sort of things and and we we used to th- we we normally think that our societies and our eras are always the more violent the most violent, violent. but i don't think it is the case i think the I don't know, the medieval ages were way, way, way worse for women and children. And, you know, children didn't even have the dignity of, per, of being a person, uh, the same as women. And I think we are heading to 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 a better places, but it is so hard to see it from uh, a human perspective. It is If you don't take into account history, you can believe that the time you are living are the words always.
1: Mm-hmm. And we may be headed towards something better as a, as a, as humanity on the scale of humanity, but that doesn't take away from the suffering that any one yeah. person might be, or any
0: community might be experiencing. That's it, and and I think this is an idea that I wouldn't have uh, the ability to 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 think or to make when I was writing Hurricane Season. So that that has changed me. I think I'm more optimistic now, but, you know, it's not like this uh, void optimism, like, you know, like, yeah, everything is going to be right and and you can change if you want it. It is not that kind of optimism. Uh, I think it's just I'm in peace with, with, um, with the idea that everyone of us has the potential of doing lots of harm, but day by day we decided not to.
1: Thresholds is a production of Lit Hub Radio. We're produced by Drew Broussard and Justin Alvarez. Music and editing by Laura Faye Oshwood of Arthur Moon. Our art is by Kirsten Huber. Special thanks to Farrar, Strauss, and Drew. I'm Jordan Kistner. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jordan.kistner. We'll see you next week.